0: Hi, everybody. I'm on with Peter Schultz from British Columbia. That's in Canada. How are you, Peter?
1: I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks.
0: I feel like we're playing What's My Line, that old TV show, because Peter's got this, like, secret past that is just, uh, when you find out what it is, even if you're not in the trade or not in that industry, your jaw's going to hit the desk. Uh, But before we do that, I want to thank everybody for watching and remind you that if you like these kinds of conversations, you're learning from them, uh, please subscribe to my Michael Angelo Caruso YouTube channel, and if you do, speaking of any kind, make sure that you join my Present Like a Pro group on Facebook. Peter and I met each other through the uh, Rotary International Organization. Uh, he belongs to a district out in BC. I belong to a district here in Michigan, and uh, I don't know, we just kind of got to know each other through the years, various ways, probably other events, right?
1: Yeah,
0: right, right. It's been great. And then you became district governor uh, for 19, let's see, it would be 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. And a little background for everybody. There are, this is a pretty big deal. There are only 535 district governors in the world at any given time. And Peter Schultz was, was in, in managing his district in, in the, that part of the world. And, um, and so we got to know each other better. And through those conversations, we entered into some kind of joint agreements, joint activities and stuff. And I was chatting him up one day, or maybe this happened on Facebook. I had posted that, um, that uh, the drummer from Rush had passed away. That's right. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the drummer was kind of like the, brain, the brains of the operation. He did all the lyrics. Remind me of the three guys in the band. Getty Lee was the lead singer, bass player. That's right. Go ahead. Neil pert, Neil pert the drummer. Neil Perth the drummer, was the one that passed away. And I was surprised to find out later in life that he was the lyricist of the band. So he was coming up with all of these uh, dreamy, ethereal uh, song, the- song themes and that sort of thing. And then the guitar player was who? So uh, he went by Alex Lifeson. And how do you know he, was, he, uh, in, real he in real life, he was another name. Alex, Alex Zivajinovich. Right. And how do you know that name?
1: So um, Alex and I uh, grew up in Toronto, and uh, we played hockey together. And uh, neither of us came from a family with uh, much going on financially. We had good families. We had good parents. It's a good life. Enjoyed playing hockey together. And I'd had a fair bit of music in my life. I started conservatory piano at four years old. Four. And uh, uh, played violin with a quartet when I was fairly young and did, did a fair bit of that kind of stuff. But uh, of course, you know, we were 12 years old and, and you don't really want to play conservatory piano or string quartet violin, right? You want to get a guitar. So uh, that was a problem for both Alex and I because uh, guitars cost money. But uh, for those of your listeners from Canada... Uh, of our vintage, at least, you're going to remember a chain of stores called Loblaws. We used to have the Loblaws green stamps. I'm sure you had the same thing in the States. The grocery stores would give out bonus stamps with your uh, purchases. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And my mom would give me the Loblaws green stamps, and I pasted them in a the book until I had enough to get an electric guitar. So that's what I did.
0: So, uh, and I, did, Alex got a guitar as well? Is that what happened? So,
1: Alex got a guitar and by similar means. I, I can't remember wh- how he got his. And in the beginning, we didn't even have amplifiers. We each had a couple of electric guitars and we'd get together and uh, bang out some stuff. Right. And uh, yeah, and it was fun. It was, was a lot of fun. Age 12? Yeah, so that's 1965. And um, so we are. Um, starting to do this thing and my dad who had a hardware store in downtown Toronto and right around the corner from him on Yorkville Avenue was a uh, was a company called Yorkville sound and they uh used to manufacture to license uh, fender products and so dad came home one day with a rack of tubes that they found in the back room and it turned out to be the guts of a fender basement which was a pretty slick amplifier and I picked up some uh speakers and built a little speaker box and we had an amplification we were we were cooking
0: so at this point were both you and alex playing guitar
1: yeah so we were just playing guitar and um you know over the over the next few years i kind of grew into uh, well a few more guys would join and 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 full disclosure by the way i never do getty lee or neil pert because um even though alex and i started what became rush and and, you know it's a pretty exciting story because i think they're probably the most certainly the most commercially successful rock band in canadian history um but i had nothing to do with what made them great
0: (laughs) that's fine but it's still a a fascinating story to me because you know i came up through the music business too and and if you don't make it to the top of the triangle i'm talking about Beatles, Rolling Stones—you know, very few bands get to that kind of uh, airspace. Well,
1: I, I don't have my Caruso's album yet, but I am looking forward <laughs> to hearing that.
0: Well, if you don't get to the top of the triangle, all you've got are these kind of like, you know, connections. I know somebody who knew somebody, or you yeah. know, uh, in your case, uh, you you worked worked studied. Uh, I don't know how how professional you guys were at that age. What when when did the relationship terminate or drift away?
1: Yeah. I was with them until I was 14 years old. Okay. And, you know, it's an interesting story. Um, back in the day, and probably still today, there is a variety of elements are attracted to the rock band thing. And um, I, I think I was pretty open to all sorts of stuff. But things just got a little over the top for me. And, uh, I, you know, guys would start to come around that, uh, let's just say they weren't, they weren't the uh, cream of the crop. And as we got better, more and more people like that would hang around. And you know, the beautiful thing is, and I have not talked to Alex for many decades, but the thing I always respected of Alex, I went off and, and uh, focused on a career of, of rocket science, but Alex went off. And and you know no matter what happened around that group, he kept his head down because all he wanted to do was get better at playing guitar, and that's what he did. He just got better and better. And uh, I know get- Getty and Alex both have a reputation through all the years that they were huge and famous. Uh, and and the concert ends, and the the gang and the groupies all go off to the parties, That wasn't them. They went home to their families, and. Uh, that's, I think, the key to success.
0: I think you're right, too. I, I can tell you just from our short time in the music business with the Caruso Brothers band, that the, uh, the distractions are endless, and most of them are not healthy. They're not right. productive. Uh, you're right. The, the business attracts a very seamy type of element. Edgy characters, people on the make. Um, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't mean to disparage an entire industry. No, no. But, um, so why did you drift through music? What happened?
1: Oh, why did I drift through music? Well, I, I started in music at four years old because my grandfather uh, in the 20s was a uh, professional piano player uh, in, in the uh, various shops around Toronto that he could get a job in. Right. And, and so music was always supposed to be a part of our life. And I, to be honest, I was never all that keen on the conservatory training, but but I really respect what it gave to me. I loved guitar and I, you know, I played bluegrass in my twenties and I had more rock bands when I was a professor later on. And, um, you know, I did folk, I guess, uh, my first performance was the grade five graduation when, when, uh, Two guys, my friend and I and two girls that we liked did some, uh, I, I think it was probably like uh, Peter, Paul and Mary or something like that, you know, for the grade five graduation. So uh, that, was, that was kind of, I, I loved guitar and I loved the bands and, and, uh, and, you know, I think it keeps you grounded. I mean, I had a pretty intense career in, in, in physics and I've had a pretty intense life all around. And I've always had music in it, and it's always been a huge part of it. Just to be able to get out and
0: you still play? Sing.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, I haven't played instruments for a few years. The last ten years or twelve years, I've been uh, singing with a performance group. We called Mask Musical Actors and Singers of Kelowna. You know, we, we do Broadway and jazz and and um, some popular stuff and you know corporate gigs, that kind of stuff. Do you still have an axe? An axe?
0: We call it an axe. Do I still
1: have an axe? Yeah, you know the axe that I have is my Martin. Um, I I, uh, so I don't have an electric one anymore. Uh, Although my Martin, uh, again, I lived in Toronto, and Long and McQuaid in Toronto was famous for nobody touches a Martin, you know. But Long and McQuaid was able to put a subtle little amplifier gordon Lightfoot's Martin. so i had to put one just like it in mine so
0: you still have that first, yeah, amp first amp that you 80, 80.
1: no so that was the end of my days with rush at 14 years old uh one of those guys who um uh, whose morals were a little less than i was interested in uh he stole it uh, Cause we left all the stuff at uh common guys uh, basement where we used to get together and practice and uh And uh, yeah, I got there one day and they said, oh yeah, he uh, just grabbed the amp and took off. I heard he's on his way to California. And uh, I sort of thought, you know, I don't need this.
0: I was uh, just to show you how how we're telling you the truth, everybody, that this stuff never goes away. I was reading the other day. In fact, the book's right behind me here on the bookshelf. A book on the Beatles and how their songs all came together. And uh, McCartney had met Jimi Hendrix at a, gallery opening or something in England and uh Hendrix's guitar was stolen from the art gallery so this, this kind of stuff this theft and the, the drugs and the, the sex drugs and rock and roll thing is completely legit everybody it's for real
1: yeah
0: um you ever think about what would have happened if you had stayed with music and and uh, obviously Rush didn't need two guitar players but to to maybe what would have happened if that connection had stayed open for you
1: well, you know, it's kind of interesting. It, um, yeah, I, I think I well could have had a life in music, but I don't know if it would have been enough for me. Music has been an important part of my life, but it's just part of my life. And, yeah. and I can tell you, a career in, in uh, solid-state nuclear physics—that's that can be pretty intense too. Yeah. In fact. When I was a young physics professor, here's one of my favorite stories about music. So as a uh, fairly young professor in my 30s, we started a band in the uh, physics department called uh, Buster Proton and the Accelerators. <laughs> uh, so we just had a lot of fun. Uh, our, our mission was never to perform. It was to get together at least once a week and have some fun. And,
0: that sounds uh, like a, a great slogan. Our mission is to never perform.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we failed uh, because as time went on, it started to get kind of interesting and we wrote some of our stuff. And, and uh, so eventually we got uh, commissioned to play for the grad student lounge a couple of times. And uh, we, these were actually paying gigs. And so I said to everybody, you know what? We, we don't need the few hundred bucks. We put it into putting together our first tape. So we spent the money on, on studio time, which is, yeah. as you know, that's an absolute blast
0: to spend a few days in the studio. And it was expensive back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you had to we, go to a real studio, you couldn't do it on your desktop or on your no, laptop no. computer.
1: Now, yeah, now you, can, now you can throw it together. But uh, no, then I think the thousand bucks we made for that gig, we spent it on three days in the studio or two days. Yeah. Yeah. And we produced our tape. Proton and the accelerators. Now, the important story with that tape is in 1990 and 91, as a professor, I'm on sabbatical in Australia. And my wife and our three kids and I, we live in this, this place and we get this uh, run down secondhand car. And about a month into our life in Australia, somebody broke into the car and cleaned it out, took everything, as
0: you know where this is going, took everything except the Buster Proton tape. Oh, wow. I thought you were (laughs) gonna say, you know, the fever strikes again in the music business, but it wasn't good enough to steal, is that what you're saying?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we had a lot of fun with that.
0: I appreciate you you playing What's My Line with us today. Uh, Peter, what a pleasure. Uh, you ever think about giving old Alex a call and just uh, saying hi and uh, maybe even, maybe if you can't think of a reason to call him, I've always, I've always looked up to you for your focus.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to. Um, I actually, uh, my wife and I opened a business here in Kelowna and in the mid-90s, we, uh, we ran a charity, we, a friend that uh, used to play music in our restaurant. Um, regularly his son ended up at seven years old with lymphoma and uh, at one point was given six months to live. And so uh, this family didn't have a lot of money and we ran a benefit in town and we, I managed to get the city to close the street off and we had circus stuff going on and ponies and a big banquet that night. And we raised a pile of money to help the family get to Vancouver for treatment. And the good news is um, the little boy went into remission after that. So uh, we feel it was a pretty special day. But I tried to reach out to Alex because I thought, now wouldn't it be cool if uh, Alex or Rush was able to be a part of this benefit for this musician? And uh, there's just too many barriers. So maybe I need some of that focus to get through the handlers because uh, I was never able to. Communicate personally, but one day that would be really nice.
0: Yeah life changes. I guess when you get to the top of that triangle Um, Yeah, but I'm proud to be with you somewhere beneath the top of the triangle You're a great person (laughs) a fantastic Rotarian and a pretty good storyteller too. Peter Schultz. uh, You want to give your charity a plug or Tell everybody how how they can learn more about it
1: Uh, Sorry, I don't have a charity
0: Well, the the, uh, cause that you, uh, do you want to plug anything? You want to plug a cause or plug your district, something like this?
1: Uh, Okay. Well, certainly, uh, as you know, I'm fairly heavily involved with Rotary, and I have been for many years. And uh, the whole world right now is having a lot of trouble. Uh, We're trying to deal with a pandemic, and, of course, the sickness is just one part of it. I think that's the tip of the iceberg. Maybe the bigger part of the iceberg is the psychological impact on an entire world that doesn't really know how to cope with this. And Rotarians, as I know you know, are doing their best to lead the way at connecting the world. Uh, I just was doing some emails before I jumped on this call um, with some people in our community which are reaching out to other people that we know are not being connected and making sure we stay connected. So, I think what I'd like people to do, uh, not necessarily rotary, but I'd like people to do their best to help the world stay connected and to stay psychologically grounded because we all need each other right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. 100 percent. Peter Schultz, thanks so much for for us taking some time today.
1: Thank you, Michael.
0: Pleasure.